Hi everyone, welcome back to the Bayou Breakdown. We are about a week out of Nova. Ten games for all four of us, and um, a lot of big emotions, a lot of big fun, a lot of being really tired. It's taken us probably all about a week to recover, but here we are, and we wanted to come back to our bands format and uh, sort of talk about what our experience was in the Masters with bands. Um, now that we have some, like, you know, major tournament experience with, you know, some of the best players in the U.S. and me. Um, and so what we're going to be doing is talking about how we feel about GG3, talking about Nova, how much fun we had, um, and then kind of going back into the band's format and seeing what our, if our opinions on it have changed uh, since we recorded just the other week. So I am joined again by uh, Brandon from Danger Planet. Say hi, Brandon. Oh, hey. What's going on, everybody? Nathan from Maryland. Say hi, Nathan. How's it going? And the man from the other coast, Jim Dyson. Hey, how you doing? All right, guys. So, um, first of all, what was your Nova experience like? Did everybody enjoy themselves, have fun? Oh, my gosh. It was a blast. I don't know about you all, but I really enjoyed getting to put names to faces and actually get to you know hang out in real space with people no absolutely that that's my favorite thing about big tournaments i mean that's the entire reason i've started this podcast which i've said over and over again in the interviews um mm -hmm. i got to meet nick westbrook like super awesome got to meet doug bowman really cool guy got to meet hawk who is one of our newer players that i think is uh on the up and up i think he's definitely somebody to look out for um, Andre and all the Texas guys. It was just, it was an awesome tournament. Brennan, how'd you like Nova? Yeah, no, uh, <clears throat> Nova was great. Um, I, I had a great time. Uh, we, we had three really awesome events. Um, I, I didn't actually get to play in, in what would have been my fourth event, the Henchman Hardcore. Um, uh, but we had, you know, the, the, in, 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 in order from awesomest to, uh, also awesomest, um, you know, we had the Open GT. That was wild. That was five rounds of Malifaux with, I think, about 40 players. Or maybe it's 30, 33, 33, something like that. 33. 33 players. Is, it's a great number of folks for Malifaux. Um, we, of course, we had the Invitational event, which I think was 10 less at 23. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, of course, the, the you know, uh, Friday Night Danger Planet sponsored karaoke um, was the main event that I'm sure everybody was at Nova for. Um uh, Not us old folks. Us old folks went to bed. <laughs> oh, what uh, bed? I haven't heard of this. this well, so like, concept. I was gonna go. I think like maybe just go for a little bit, and you can ask Nathan and Jim about like right after we came out of the tournament hall on Friday. I was like, guys, I'm kind of feeling a little bit. I'm gonna go set my alarm for about 45 minutes, and I'll catch up with you. Um, I woke up at 3 a.m. Yeah, isn't <laughs> isn't that always the way? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I don't think I slept the whole time. Um, uh, I certainly didn't sleep in between Friday and Saturday, but no, it was great. We we actually we ended up uh, we ended up doing karaoke at uh, a gay bar, um, which was awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, no, they were it was super good. They had like a fancy piano up on a stage, and there was like we you know all the all the, the Haku folks, uh, Haku boys, they both did great. Uh, it's actually all the Chicago guys, all the Chicago guys and us. Um, um, great, great, great runs and everything. Uh, is a good time. The tournaments were also very good. To be to be to be fair, <laughs> I did have a great time playing Malifaux. It was a lot of Malifaux. Ten rounds of Malifaux in in four days is so much, so much yeah. Malifaux. Yeah, no doubt. 
Oh my Nathan, God. what about your experience? Uh, I had a great time. Uh, shout out to Jeff for running the tournaments. Um, he ran, I think, all four of the Malfo events, which is a lot of doing that. That's, that's an exhausting task in and of itself. Um, and to Owen for being being in charge of the whole thing and running that, because, gosh, I, I think Nova really, really went off well, and I think it was a real big success. Um, yeah, for sure. People were cool. It just great time all around. But the secret to not being so tired, you all have to just lose as badly as I do, then you get buy rounds. <laughs> Wait, did you get the first buy round in the GT? I got I got a buy round in the Invitational um, after Andre kicked my teeth in the first round. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, all right. Well, I'm glad everybody had a great time. I think that that's the big strength of, of these big events is just, you know, getting people that we don't normally get to play with and, and hang out with. And, you know, Malifaux has just a fantastic community um, all around. I can't think of anybody, like, right off the bat that I'm just like, I don't want to hang out with them. Um, you know, all of the all of the people that are content creators that, that you know, most of us are, like, really... I wouldn't necessarily say close, but we're pretty good friends. We talk a lot. So, you know, uh, Kyle and Brian couldn't be there because they suck. Um, but, hey, you know. hey, hey. <laughs> Brian, Brian just, you know, you know, had, had a big life stuff happen. So, yeah, blah, 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 adults. But, you know, we get to hang out with the Danger Planet guys and, and you know, get to hang out with all the Texas guys and their big reputation. Um, they're sweethearts. I'm going to let you in on that. Um yeah, we had a blast. Um, I think that uh, I think that I'm still ready to play some Malifaux, and in fact, like this week, I've already played two games of Malifaux. Um, but I don't know that I could like really power through ten rounds again anytime in the next couple weeks. That was backbreaking. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm chomping at the bit. Uh, I wish I had the time, but uh, we we have a local tournament happening tomorrow. Um, on Saturday Saturday morning at, at off the wall in Hadley, Massachusetts. But I know Sam is going, but I don't. I, I know that I'm not able to go. Unfortunately, um, that was sort of the trade off I made by deciding to go to Nova at the last possible minute. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't. I can't get away from work uh, this weekend too. <laughs> no, I fully understand that. My I'm in grad school, so like Jesse was trying to get me to go to ArmorCon, which is up y'all's way. Yeah, it is. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, I was just like, I can't make it. There's just there's just no way after Nova I can afford to miss more classes. Um, so besides the really awesome um, karaoke, which sounded like a lot of fun, next time I'm definitely... Captain Con, we're definitely... I'm definitely oh, getting you guys Captain up. Con this year, for sure. We're going we're gonna to hit karaoke hard. It's going to be great. Um, it's going to be, be amazing. We're going to get... We're gonna get more than more than just a couple folks out. We're gonna get we're gonna get we're gonna invite the whole tournament just like we did this time, and I hope that more people take us up on it because it was it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And like, if you haven't seen David Longton uh, do his rendition of "Wanna Be" by the Spice Girls, then you are missing out. Oh in my life. gosh, that has got to be amazing. That, that has to be. <laughs> it was. Uh, it, it the the audience the entire the entire bar was moved to tears and gave him a standing ovation. <laughs> amazing amazing so besides that what um i don't want to go round for round um because there'll be other there'll be other uh uh podcasts doing that what i want to do is like just capture some memorable moments so what were some memorable like moments at the table uh or some games that really just like stand out to you um throughout the tournament 
Jim or Nathan want to pipe in? Uh, I mean, yeah, I I don't want to jump on anyone's toes, but I can tell you there I had a couple of uh, pretty standout moments for me. Um, <laughs> I would say, on the whole, uh, I had an absolute blast with all of my opponents. You know, like you said earlier, we're, we're playing folks we don't often see. I think Jeff did an, a really good job of ensuring that folks didn't play people in the same metas as mm-hmm. a, a, as much as he could, you know. Um, but uh, it was kind of funny that we got paired in both events. And in I both know. events, <laughs> the games got a little bit bananas. <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, they did. We had two very good, very uh, wild games. Um, that was that was quite an interesting uh, turn of events there, I think. Um, I don't know how we managed in both rounds to get paired. I guess we just kind of like both hit sort of the middle right there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was like rounds three and four on the two different days. Or was it fifth round on? It doesn't matter. The point is, um, uh, we... We ended up in the same general area of the rankings, which, you know, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I think it was interesting just seeing the choices other players were making that made me go, huh, that I think was was the real big standout moments for me. Um, specifics include uh, Tim Ball, my first round opponent in the Invitational. He brought a levy list with VIX2 hired. And used Vix two to taxi Levy twelve inches up the board, turn one, into my deployment zone before activation. Oh, hey, nice. which, <laughs> which, which did everything you would expect a, a focus levy to do to your crew. It was really well done. That's a uh, that's quite a quite a thing to happen. What about you, Nathan? Any memorable moments that stand out? I think for me the best one was it was actually my last game of the uh, convention against Hawk. Uh, he was bringing a Jedza 2 list into my Dashel 1 and just watching, like, I don't think I'd really faced Jedza 2 just really going in for the big death touches yet. And whew, that got painful real quick. Um, I we only made it um four rounds, and I think if it gone five, I definitely would have lost. And it was literally like a matter of like the smallest breath of a hair difference on whether I would, whether it was a tie or a um, win. So it was just really close game, really fun opponent, and just back and forth it felt like in a, in a way that I really enjoyed. Yeah, those games are always super fun. Brandon, any uh, game moments to stand out? I had, I had a few. Um, so uh, the, I, I guess the, the one that is the most clear to me um, or the most surprising to me was I had never met Jim in person before. And so I get to my, I get to, I think, when did we play Jim? Was it round it was two? Round two. Round, round two of the, of the invitational event. And I, I just saw my opponent's name was James and that he was playing outcast. And I was like, Oh, okay. I don't know who this is, but cool. Let's, let's go. I, I don't have a lot of experience about outcast. And we had gotten, we had gotten maybe like 10 minutes into the game where we, we had talked about what we were doing. We had talked about like masters we were playing. And then I opened the app and connect to his game. And I see it's dice man 87. And I was like, Oh my God, you're Jim Dyson. It was great. Um, <laughs> I was waiting from like the minute we sat down, I was like, "Oh, wait a second. Let's see how long it takes him to realize." Yeah, I had literally no idea, and I think it was was it uh, was it Landon was was next to me, 
and kept like saying something. I don't remember what. Someone was someone I someone I know was was standing next to me and kept saying something about, "Oh, you go by James? That's interesting. I didn't know that." Or so, and, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was very funny, um, uh, which was great. Um, so there there was that for sure. Um, my um, let's see. I had another, I had a great game against Brian, which was my very last game of the event. Uh, Brian Bauer, for those who don't know, um, or pro, pro, the official Professor Von Stuck uh, of the Texas meta. I think Von Stuck is his, uh, like, his favorite master, and he plays it a lot. Um, uh, so I had a great game there. Um, uh, he's just generally a lovely person to be around. And I met him along with a lot of the other Texas guys at Adepticon, um, uh, when I was out tailing in in, in uh, Chicago, and that was that was super super awesome. Um, he was just it just it had a lovely game. Um, I mean, all my opponents were great. I think uh, you know I, I don't I don't really have enough good things to say. I learned a lot in the first round of the Invitational, where the night before um, we, we we roll into town and have dinner with with uh, with the Haku boys because you know we've been we've been doing a lot of stuff um, mm-hmm. on, on on the Danger Planet together. Uh, and I was like, well, you remember how we played first round at Captain Con, um, uh, Haku or Longton? And I, I was like, I bet it's going to happen again. Can't wait. I'll see you bright and early first thing in the uh, tomorrow morning. And then, lo and behold, first thing in the morning, first round, <laughs> me versus Longton. Uh, it happened Longton again. Was playing, Longton was playing Witness all Longton was playing Witness, and I learned that it turns out... Uh, so, <laughs> I actually... Uh, uh, I, we ended, I ended up getting that game... Uh, I lost by a single point. Um, nice. Which I, I was very impressed with myself on. Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, I was playing. I was playing Pandora into uh, uh, Witness Two, uh, Pandora Two into into, into uh, Ravencroft Two, and um, uh, you know, I I think uh, I I I was a very reasonable man who had to deal with some very unreasonable things, um, <laughs> which was which is a big trouble. I'm trying to quote. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure that um, Mr. Mr. Corland uh, would love that. I think he's the. the Big trouble, little China, um, not uh, weird, but um, uh, so we, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I ran up, I, I executed my first round plan pretty well, and then I put Candy in front of the hooded rider in base contact instead of behind the hooded rider um, because I was pretty sure that fourteen and a half inches was far enough, and uh, boy, did I learn it wasn't. Um, and then, and then we just had, and we just went blow for blow for the rest of the game. It was a, it was a struggle fest on both sides. Um, and I learned some some really really crucial things. Uh, and uh, even though I got my butt handed to me, I, I felt like I really, um, you know, I learned a lot. And uh, the best part is that I had lent Longton my witness crew that I painted. Uh, oh, that was your crew. You painted my, that? Yeah, yeah, I did. It looked nice. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was, it, I was wondering how he got everything painted up. Yeah, he he <laughs> did. I did. Um, but I have now. I have an undefeated witness crew. There you go. <laughs> um, so that's fun. Also, I think uh, you know I, after ten games, and this is probably like my my uh, almost going on year year what two for me uh, almost. I think I've been playing this game for actually a year and a half legitimately uh-huh. now. Um, uh, I'm officially moving on from um, Neverborn. I've completed all my Neverborn. I have the whole faction fully painted at this point. Um, and so I'm, I'm, uh, I guess I'm announcing it here first that I'm officially moving into Arcanists, um, um, and I will be playing mostly Hoffman and that Witness crew. Nice. Well, we'll see how that uh, plays out for you. We will. For me, I think. Um, I mean, I do have to highlight the games with Jim. They were a lot of fun. They were they were a very emotional roller coaster, weren't they, Jim? 
That's a word for it. Yes. <laughs> we we had a blast. Um, I played uh, Brewmaster five rounds, and I only lost once to Landon um, because mm-hmm. Brewmaster hates guns. Um, and staring yep. down Kuhatsu, Samurai, and Sadir is rough. Um, but then I won four games of Brewmaster. I played... Uh, Ulix 2, and I think I was 1-1-1 one, one, and one with Ulix 2, and 0-2 uh, oh, with Ophelia, so Ophelia is just not my jam, I've decided, like, I, I have mm-hmm. tried, I gave it the uh, the good old college try, but um, Ulix just continues to be so much fun for me, like, he just absolutely demolished models, now he, I think one of my favorite games I played um, was against Brendan Muse, I'm not sure what meta he's out of. But he played Colette 2, and um, Ulix took out Carlos and Cassandra in a single turn. And then in a complete, like, you know, turnaround, a duet just walked up and murdered him. Like, just, just flat murdered him. Um, and it was the bloodiest game I've ever played, and it was a Colette 2 game. Like, by the end of the game, he had, like, Colette... Uh, uh, one of the Corophy and like two birds and I had like two piglets and Penelope and uh, Hog Whisper. <laughs> like, it was that is, that yeah. is a bloody game. Wow. It was absolutely wild. Uh, but Brendan, it was a very fun game. Our, sorry about that. What's that? I was going to say Brendan's out of our meta um, out of the capital area. Well there you go. Okay cool. Uh, he's yeah. been to a he couple of our events. He was a great opponent um, and he, he really worked uh Colette hard. He just, uh, he probably would have won that, but he put one of the birds like way far out to push a wagon. And uh, mm-hmm. one of my swine curse just walked in and punched it, and he was never, a- never able to get another swine curse on that. So it kind of locked him into those two, only getting two points because he got one of the wagons all the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I was, uh, yeah, like I had. Um, several really good games. Like I said, I think every one of my games, outside of like one that we just won't talk about, um, that uh, I, I think all my games were were pretty great. Um, got to play against Doug Bowman. He was a fun opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, so just just had an absolute absolute blast. Somehow dodged Nathan. It's weird that I hit you, Jim, because you're probably one of my like most regular opponents. And then Nathan's probably like my second most regular opponent, and somehow I managed to dodge Nathan. And because I didn't stay at top tables long enough, I managed to dodge Cody all weekend, which was fine. Mm-hmm. I think I helped Cody play like six games or so, four you know, four four to six games um, when he was you know working on his witness. So I really didn't want to have to play that again. Understandable. <laughs> um, all right. So the next question we have is um, so. Five-round events, I think, are a little different than a local tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a different mindset going in. You know you're going to be playing a bigger variety of players. You know that five-round events tend to draw in some of the better players. Um, so what are your sort of, like, GG3 and, like, overall meta thoughts about coming out of playing two major events? Hmm. The one thing I noticed, and I didn't face any... Um, I I think Andre is probably the only like real of the top players that you describe. I think Andre is probably the only one that I played that would be put into that category. But the thing I noticed was I saw a ton of jam stuff into your face that can be that 
isn't going to get one activation and can be easily healed by the rest of the crew and make you deal with that. And I failed that test more often than not. Um, but that was yeah, the I big thing I noticed solid. all weekend. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. I think I did. I definitely saw a lot of that. Like, you know, apply pressure early so that you can score early. Because, like, you know, especially with, like, we had two and a half hours, but that doesn't mean, like, every game. Like, I don't think I don't think I completed more than, like, three games out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that kind of came down to the wire every time. So scoring your schemes early is definitely, like, a big thing. And getting that lead... Like, if you can score your second-turn strat and your opponent can't, that's a huge lead when you might be going to four turns instead of five. Yeah. Like, Brandon, our game is, like, I think one of the best examples of that, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we, we did. I mean, we were doing stuff the whole time, and we did not get far. We did not. I, yeah, we. I know I had to go into Think Tank a little bit. I think you did a bit, too. Oh, for but sure. But it wasn't yeah. unreasonable. No, it was no, all no. very reasonable decision-making time, and it really came down to the fact that I was lucky enough to score my schemes turn two. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think I, I, that that's really, really very important in, in tournament, in big tournament Malifaux, and I think that always has been. Um, but even more so now, because a lot of the schemes are so just sort of get somewhere and wait, um, oriented and very killy. I think that if you get to a point where you're not scoring, like you're you're you know one or both of your schemes on round two, you're just not gonna you're not gonna win. Um, you, maybe you'll tie, maybe not. But you know, in a in a situation, especially two and a half hour rounds, you know, you're you're going, you should you should complete three turns. But sometimes turn four, you know, you hit turn four and it gets time called, or or you hit turn four, or maybe you don't even get to turn four. Um, and if you're not scoring, if you're not scoring schemes on turn two, you're just not going to make it. Yeah, I agree. Usually, I I would say most games probably get to turn four. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to play really fast because uh, Brew can just be obnoxious on the time drain, you know, with all the little twitches and stuff at the end of turns, and and just like you know, when, whenever you have a crew that just has all these little movements, you have to be very conscious of like how quickly you're going. Um, mm-hmm. And I still, like, I think I had one game get to turn three. And then, Jim, did our game, did our first game, the Parker Ulis game, get past? Uh, we called it turn three because uh, we had mutually assured destruction. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Cause it, it was at the point where I think we were down to three models apiece at the end of turn three. <laughs> Um, and I think at some point we had to go, we need to end this game still friends. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. So, like, with, not not to be too vague about it, but, like, there was a, a series of flips on your side and then a, followed by a series of flips on my side that I needed to walk away from the table for a good five minutes. Yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm t- tone listeners, if you're in a game and you need to step away, the responsible thing is to step away and, you know, cool your jets. 100%. Um, 100%. Because, you know, it is just a game, and it can be easy to get caught up in the moment, especially when things are not going your way. Um, You just got to remember to tone it back when you start to feel that, like, ah, geez, the universe is out to get me. Because it it comes around, like it did when Mad Dog activated after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it... it 
that kind of like thought process, if you don't get the, if you don't get a grip on it very quickly, can spiral and mm-hmm. leak into your next game or leak into the rest of the day. And that's not what you want. When you're at a big event like that, you want to have fun and you want to do the best you can. So mm-hmm. it is important, like you know, to kind of take that moment and go, okay, take a couple breaths, go get a drink of water, come mm-hmm. back to it. What can we do? Um, but I still think we 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 probably could have gone to at least turn end of turn four i think oh we had the time yeah. for end of turn four but we were at a point where it was not the the juice wasn't worth the squeeze as they say yeah i think the only round that i just like got stuck on was um when i played uh bowman we only mm-hmm. got to ter- end of turn three i believe um and we were just kind of in this like grind of Titania versus Brewmaster, and there was just so many little things that like mm-hmm. kept adding up to make it sort of a rough, you know, rough time game. But yeah. definitely, you do want to score early, and you want to start, and you want to look at your schemes. You can score early. Um, I know there were a couple times that I took schemes that I could either score the first point on or the last point on and i was sort of banking on scoring one of those while denying my opponent his schemes because like sometimes there are just scheme pools where you look at that you look at your opponent and you go yeah that ain't happening like (laughs) there's no way i'm scoring two points on any of these schemes so you have to kind of do that little gamble of like you know what scheme is going to be the most scorable for the one point Mm -hmm. um Actually, that does remind me. I need to find an event. So, uh, Brandon, Nathan, if you have some insight, uh, you know, pop in. But I do want to circle back in a few minutes. Okay, Brandon, any uh, any big meta GG three takeaways for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just important to know how much killier this GG is. I think than two. Um, it, it seems like everything that you want to be doing is killing. Uh, there doesn't. There's almost nothing that drops scheme markers. I think it's just one, right? It's just yeah. uh, leave your mark. Um, and so a, a lot of the a lot of the the plans to if you're especially if you're very familiar or started the game, for instance, in GG two um, have changed. You know, and a lot of the abilities that were relevant seem less less good. Like don't mind me seems much less good because you're not actually dropping scheme markers as much. And especially with the uh, the interact two two of the interact both, well both of the interact uh, strats don't have uh, aren't you aren't completely locked out if you're in combat right because yeah. you can you can you can toss cursed objects onto one model that you're engaged with if you're engaged with two it's still don't mind me is nice to have in that in that aspect and of course uh, the super important carver path um, the first the first time we we played in a, in a tournament at at my store. Um, and it, we we went an entire round without realizing that carve a path you could do while you're in combat, uh, while you're engaged. Um, so <laughs> I think that game ended zero zero uh, yeah. um, um, after four rounds. No, um, yeah, but there's just a lot of killing, you know, and a lot of and durable models are, are sort of the, the the way of the day, I think. And and doing doing murders to your opponent's crew seems like a, a good strat. I think the caveat so to that is there's a that, fair um, number of scheme marker schemes. It just it feels like they're being taken a lot less. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know. I've taken I've taken um, sabotage and scored at least one, if not two, points on it in almost every game. Um, yeah, and I, I think I sorry, Maeve. Um, uh, I, I think oh, well, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so I I think that a lot of the uh, a lot of the 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 
the the sort of the other thing is with with the ski marker ones that they're very terrain dependent and i mm -hmm. think that we see that you know people haven't really maybe adapted quite quite as heavily to what the terrain looks like so like even even with carver path right we I, I played my carver path game in the gt on, on this casino table, which looked really cool and was really gorgeous, but I was playing Zoraida, my opponent was playing Brewmaster. Um, shout out to John Moser, I think, who's a great yep. opponent. I, I had a, a lovely time with him, but we, uh, we we like didn't carve any paths because every single spot on the entire board had just like height one hat bait, like climbable terrain, sure, but like we couldn't we couldn't eat the markers down the board. There's weren't lanes. And then with all with the with the the markers that are all like drop drop the ski markers to choose where your uh, your things are going um, on a on a piece of terrain like so often the terrain at at both of these events was something that I couldn't viably choose because it was either a big piece that was too close to the center or too close to a deployment zone or uh, and that's and that, I mean not not that I think that the other one is good the, the non ski marker one it was called secret meetup. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like secret meetup is just like you have to have an obey master. It's just not like you could just not. I've scored two points on it almost every game I've taken. The only one yeah, I, really? I didn't score two points on it one uh, was Jim, and that's because I accidentally killed Brewmaster. Accidentally killed the uh, the student conflict. Um, but to be fair, Brewmaster pushes things where you want them to go. Um, that's, yeah, that's a that's a that's a very good point. The secret um, to secret meetup is that you have to be able to sort of predict where the conflict is going to happen. And yeah. I think you need to pick a model that you are not going to be able to remove easily, but is going to sort of be in the middle of things. And then you have to pick one of your models to get there. So it's like, it's a little complicated. I think it's harder in Wedge because like, you know, it's so close like deployment zones are like, you know, really far up there. But it's mostly doable like if you kind of have that awareness of like where the fight's going to take place um which you know in some games like the uh second or the the fourth round of the gt was a cursed objects game and like there's no way like it didn't have any like standardized in the middle schemes so there's like no telling where that fight's going to be because there's no, you know, specific place for models to kind of come together and bump heads. Um, so that can be kind of hard. Um, yeah. Uh, just to riff on that, as far as... Um, I also regularly have been scoring full points on Secret Meetup. And the first round of the Invitational, I actually pulled this on Tim. Because I took it on HodgePodge Emissary... I think I did it on both HodgePodge Emissaries... And there was this river that was in... We, we treated each section of the river as a separate terrain piece. And one of those sections was right smack in the middle. I was so aggressive with my crew after I had uh, killed Levy twice that... Because, you know, you got to kill him at least three times. He took his emissary, which was the target, and charged into mine to give me the reveal point. Um, now, the thing about Secret Meetup is... It says, specifies a piece of terrain. Strategy markers are pieces of terrain. Yeah. So you can always pick one of the strategy markers, and in this gaining grounds, like, there's always a... I feel there's always a scrum in the middle between at least two terrain markers. It, it's in guard to stash, it's in covert, and um, 
you're probably going to have the markers somewhere around the middle for uh, curling. So that's, I think, a super valid um, way to look at the scheme. It makes it a lot easier than it would be if you're trying to just go with terrain pieces. Um, but to go back to the thing I wanted to circle back to, I wanted to give a huge shout-out to my opponent of the first round of the Open Trey from Texas. He was running Sonya, and I was running Parker Deadman Walking. I did a lot of Parker this 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 weekend, and um, we got to speak to the point about scoring and end of the game. We were getting to very close to final turn or final turn call on turn I think three, and we were both cognizant of it. And I opted to shift into go for the end game points when it became apparent we weren't going to get to turn five when it wouldn't when i normally wouldn't have made those choices so part of my takeaway is that when you're in a tournament setting make sure you can see the clock or keep an eye on the clock and make those choices even if you're like tech like if you're 17 minutes out but you know in two minutes you're not starting round five uh you do take the steps you need to do to score your points and read your schemes. <laughs> so the end point of secret meetup requires you to have two markers in base contact with the piece of terrain, right? Uh, I thought I needed one marker. So I went super fast through uh, the end of the game. I had way more models than Trey did because Parker went bang, bang and killed things. Um, and I went super fast through my end game, end of turn, like four or five activations. And he just looks at me and goes, you do know that you're not scoring the end point of secret meetup, right? What do you mean? You need two markers. So he let me walk back of an activation or two specifically because no cards have been flipped um, to see if I could score it with a disengage on the hodgepodge emissary to run over and weary road and stuff. That's but nice. The point I wanted to shout him out for is when trying to play fast, especially at the end of a, a game, that's when those kinds of mistakes happen. And being the kind of sportsman to allow your opponent to walk back a an honest mistake made by trying to go fast and stay within the time limit just really speaks to his character. And I really wanted to just, you know, give him recognition for that. No doubt. No doubt. That's awesome. That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, for sure. I think that's what makes Malifaux. I think that's what, that was what makes Malifaux awesome. Like we we went ten rounds, and you know we didn't have a major rules dispute. We didn't have a you know a lot of like you know frustration. And like there there's there's a couple other games that that are bigger than Malifaux that we won't mention, um, where you can almost expect some sort of contention, you know, between players at some point. And I don't think we really got much of that. So. Um, and it definitely, if we did, it definitely didn't disrupt the weekend, which is, you know, it, it speaks to the community, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's jump into bands because that's what we're here to talk about today. So the Invitational was five rounds of bands format. Um, and we had talked, you know, last time about like what we thought good bands picks were. But let's talk about like a big tournament in bands. Um, how did it affect you guys, Nathan? Want to go? Well, I don't think it really affected me very much. I was, I think, if I had been smart, I think Andre banned Marshall, but I don't even remember for sure. 
that's the only one where if I had been smart, I would have taken a Marshall model to deal with Calypso. But other than that, I didn't really feel the pinch of bands during my games at all. And I don't didn't feel like my opponents were bothered by any of the things I selected. Okay, that's interesting. You don't think there was any like maybe hidden pressure that you didn't necessarily consider? Like that's I guess that's one of the hard things is like not everybody brings their entire faction. So, you know, like, I know I brought two kind of specific lists with a few little, like, tech options. And, um, so, but some people did, like, were expecting to, like, play their entire faction, um, you know, to some degree or another. I did face Mayfang too, so it's possible I would have seen the Mayfang Hoffman double master if I hadn't been augmented. Um, I don't think so. I think he knew what he wanted to play, but it's very possible. Yeah. Um, what about you, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that so we're really we're only talking about the the um, the Masters tournament, yeah, right? The, the, other one, yeah. the other one was, was yeah. So I I put myself in a position where I had planned basically my whole every crew every round, so I wasn't really looking at getting getting wrecked by by being have have a plan of mine banned. Um, and I, I didn't really do. I mean, I banned every. I banned, You know, I made a. I made a decent ban every round. But I think that all of my opponents were pretty much also on the same plan, where they had their plan. You know, they weren't gonna. They weren't gonna do anything. I mean, round one, I banned. Uh, uh, what do you call it there? Rasputina, um, December, so that David, uh, so Longton couldn't take a um, asylum on out of keyword but mm-hmm. um it, it wasn't really strictly strictly relevant for anything else um um uh I, maybe it would have been more relevant if i had had uh if i had, had some more some more you know some different opponents but um no i mean i think i think uh i think i uh was pretty unaffected but me and each of my opponents did sort of make a, a conscious effort i think um yeah I, do you remember it didn't really... what got banned against you? You were playing Neverborn. Do you remember what got banned against you in each round? Yeah, it was well every round except for the round I played Pandora in, and the round I played Pandora in, it was Nightmare. Yeah, I, I think, think I banned... Oh, did you ban Swamp Fiend? I banned Swamp Fiend because yeah, I was yeah. afraid of Zoraida. Right. Yeah, uh, a, lo- a lot. I think, I think. yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, so I was I was looking at... Um, what were you, I know you were on Zip 2, which was great because mm-hmm. I had never played against Zip 2 before, um, and I learned a lot. He, he seems good. He um, good. But uh, that was the corner corner card. Yeah, you banned one. Bandit, I believe, because you were like no Mad Dog for you. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Um, uh, which I, you know, I didn't. I don't know necessarily that you were planning. Oh no, you know what? That's not true. I banned. Uh, it might have actually been relevant in your game. I banned. Um, I banned Frycor. That's um, right. Because I was playing Pandora two. And I was worried that you might have taken Eric and um, Gravity Well right. was a hell of a drug. No, I do um, remember that. I do remember that now. Yeah, but but that being said, I don't think you were planning to take Eric. Anyway. I was not. I was one of I was one of those who's did. The, my plan was to stick to keyword and versatiles to yeah. make myself immune to this. That was also my plan, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that in a in a situation where um, you're you're in a in a, a a a big tournament like this, you really really you know everybody sh- and especially a big a, a big tournament where um, you're playing against some of the some of the better players or the people who have played a lot more tournaments and sort of understand the tournament mentality. I think that the bands format should ultimately be irrelevant. 
because everybody should know what they can and can't get away with and make their plans accordingly. And in the event that that doesn't happen, then I don't know that, that you know, would that person even have really been able to do like the bit, you know, does that make sense? Sort of what I'm saying? So if I could just try and re- restate what you said to see if I'm getting it. Uh, yeah. You're saying that the existence of bands at the point where it's a known thing uh, is not going to be impactful because I'm playing, you know, Mayfang 2. I know that you're going to ban Augmented. So yeah, I'm not planning course. to bring Hoffman. And then we get rock up and you're like, you know what? I'm going to flex on you and I'm going to ban Chimera because... Yeah. And, and then but, I but go, the, huh. All right, I, well, I'll be bringing Hoffman, too, as a second master, and then you'll be sad. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, I mean, very much so. I think I think what I'm saying, effectively, is that it is a thing that is meta-defining whilst not actually being utilized. I think it, you, you should find yourself in a position where there is a correct decision for most things, and in things that aren't that case, I don't think that it really mattered, you know? So what you're saying is that uh, when it comes to like sort of that top level play and and I really feel like the invitationals really hit you know a lot of that top top level play for the U.S. that um, the bands effect really comes when people are planning their lists in the first place like before they even get to the tournament. Very it, much so. The effect of it hits when you have to think. Well, I know they're going to ban this, so I'm just not going to bring it. Is that is that well, maybe not bring it, but, you know, I'm not going to plan for it. Right. Um, you right. know, because I, th- I think that in, in the list building phase of the tournament where you're, you know, deciding what you're going to take, there definitely are going to be some swaps that you make to audible against, you know, whatever keyword your opponent's declared. But I, I just feel like having a tournament be in, be in place where bans exists is either going to be that everybody just doesn't, you know, everybody sort of gets it and is on their correct page, especially at the top tables. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of the stuff that, that sh- should get banned matters or, uh, you know, somebody doesn't. And then because they didn't ban often it, when the opponent declared Mayfang too, they just get blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. You know, I think it, I think it's more meta defining that it exists, but ultimately what it comes down to is, um, uh, does that, does it, does it extend so much to key models as much as it extends to, um, double masters? And I did not play against anybody with a double master. Well, I have a theory about that. And here's my theory. Um, GG3 really sucks for most double master lists. Uh, Um, To be clear, I did take a double master. (laughs) Nobody took one against me. Yeah. Um, Um, It does. um, I just don't think that it's like you really need models. You really need, like, you need, um, I think... Going back, actually, to jump back really quick to our meta GG3 thoughts, um, activation control is absolutely huge in GG3. And unless your second or first master, you know, like summons in models to help with activation control, you are going to run short on bodies very, very quickly. Because if your opponent can just erase the non-master models you have, then you've just got two masters running around who are not going to be able to score you many points. Like, two models will not score you points in in Guard the Stash late game, you know, um, or Covert Ops or anything like that. So, um, I think that's a different thought about, like, Bands format at the moment, is that, like, 
in general, you don't want to bring a lot of double master lists. Um, one of the things I ran into is uh, that I should have done, and the only time that uh, the bands really got me and I like literally thought about it as I was hitting the button to say no double masters, I was playing against John Moser, great opponent, um, the only other Bayou opponent, I think, in the Masters. Um, so when we played Bayou versus Bayou game, it was kind of sad. Bayou was going to lose at some point. Um, but he played Brewmaster, and I played, or Brewmaster 2, and I played Ulix 2. And he banned Trixie. And I had a moment after I hit the button where I was like, damn, I should have brought Brewmaster 1. Because Brewmaster 1 against Brewmaster 2 is really good. The poison doesn't do anything. He slows down your whole crew. He's going to come in like a wrecking ball doing just massive damage because he has so much poison built up. And he's almost always going to be defense 7, willpower 9 against his entire crew. And I'm so mad that I missed that opportunity um, to just go in and be like, yep, Brewmaster 1 coming in punching people's faces in. It would have been such a hilarious game. You know what I wondered? I wondered if they're like, my game against Andre and um, my game against Rob, both those, I got my clock cleaned pretty hard. I wonder if into games where you are already looking at probably an uphill battle, if Double Master would help keep your diff hit from being quite so bad. You're not going to score a ton, but it's going to just be a more difficult thing to deal with. But I'm not sure if that's actually true or not. I mean, you've just got to be able to suss that out at list build, though, and that's sometimes kind of hard. Um, you know, I think it, it requires a lot of knowledge of your opponent and a sort of knowledge of, like, meta-knowledge of the game, like the game state or, you know, in that particular game. But I agree. I think especially very aggressive masters can do a lot of good denial, but they're going to have a hard time scoring you points in general. Like, I love, love, love the Titania one... Um, Marcus one list with the Rex where the Rex is just super powered up, but um, it's only got like seven models and seven models is really hard to score points in um, in a GG three just because you don't have enough bodies for guard the stash or, or covert ops or any of the other things even though you have three very hard to remove models. Um, but yeah, so, Nathan, what were the bands in your... Do you remember who, uh, what was banned against you playing Guild? Oh, gosh. Um, it was... I know that in my first game, I, I think I think Andre banned Marshall, if I remember right, which makes sense because of Calypso. Um, round two, I had the buy. Round three, I faced John Goldborn, and he banned Family, I believe, uh, okay. which I had no plan to run with uh, Dashiell anyways. Um, round... For that's what I think. Um, I had no idea. I had no, I had no intention to run out of keywords since I was running Hoffman, so it didn't really. Right. It didn't even register. And then my round five, I actually because both neither me nor my opponent were in the running at that point. I just asked him, "Is there anything you don't want to see? You don't want to face even master wise?" Uh, he said family, and so I just didn't run family at all for that round. Um, just yeah. there, there wasn't any point. We weren't going to podium for sure, so. I, I didn't want to give him a bad game, so we just so I ran something else. I think all of my opponents either banned Trixie or Infamous, which the two out of keyword models I took were uh, 
Trixie and Infamous because I took Bryn and I took um, Bo. I only played mm-hmm. Bo Fishbacher and I only played each of those once throughout the whole tournament, the whole ten days, but um, or ten games. But like, it definitely like there was a lot of flex in some of my decisions. Most of my games were pretty set list to some degree, but I did like tinker around with them. I brought um, Bo Fishbacher against Titania Two. Um, he is so good. Oh my so god! Good. Yes, and he removed Underbrush Barkers pretty nicely. Um, and so, and I brought the emissary too, which is very unusual for a brew two list. Usually, it's very keyword, like it's very fixed keyword, um, which I will admit is one of the reasons I'm kind of getting bored with him. Um, I don't like playing the same list literally over and over again, and he kind of like that's his that's his shtick. It's really good. Um, but yeah, Bowfishbacher was amazing, and then I brought Bryn against Dashel two. Because I knew I needed to turn off like execute triggers and other you know bullshit triggers that Dash L two has. Um, Jim, what about your games? I would say that I mostly was getting Obliteration Bandit as my bans against me, and I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, unlike Brandon, I faced Double Masters. I think three out of my five games all three games on day one and um i completely missed the uh missed the the bar for every single band that i made so round one i banned i think i banned obliteration into the outcast mirror match Mm -hmm. which is why he went with uh levy fix uh brandon we've talked about our game a couple bits now and my third round was into Sam, and this I think is the biggest power flex move Sam made on me all weekend. Um, and it wasn't like even intentional on his part. He just he rocks up to the table for round three, and he puts a McCabe and Luna model on the table next to his cards, the only models he has out. We go into the app. He declares Nexus. Huh. I'm not unobservant. I see he's declared Nexus. I see he has models out as if they're ready to go on the board. I'm just not clever. I can be observant, but not clever. And I see that and go, aha! He's doing that to make me think he wants to hire McCabe, which means he wants me to ban ban that so he can bring Seeker or Apex or something else. I'm not going to fall for this trick. I banned Seeker. And he looks at me and he's like, are you banning Seeker? What are you banning? Because I was going back, I was vocalizing this as we were doing it. And I was like, okay, final answer, ban Seeker. He goes, okay. And then he hires McCabe and Luna into Nex- Nexus One of Many. <laughs> that sounds and, terrible. I've played uh, that game. It is terrible. Uh, so Sam was a gentleman, and he made sure I understood all the ways that I had less stats than I thought I did. Yeah. Um, and I... It was really really fun because sam has the same attitude as i do or at least to, seems to be from that game of having nicknames for models and that was lovely and i love his paint scheme i just uh was a little bit sad when v- von Schill. i took von Schill into that because i thought you know high stats guns healing etc was good um became a glorified Sillerid. And that was the best use I got out of him all game. What you're saying is you played yourself. I did. <laughs> and I, I would I, say, like, 
McCabe and Next Kids is a gross combo, but let's be honest. It's Masters. It's, it's awesome. We're supposed to play the good stuff, and that was a really good combination that I had not seen coming. But also, Kids plus anybody is just really good. Um, I've been toying around with trying Kids plus um, Bass 2, because then you can put models at negative 4 TN. Yeah. Yeah, it's real it's real dumb. <laughs> oh, you need to summon? Nah. Let's not. How about not? Yeah. It, it's not great, but I think uh, I think that is a conversation for later about just how good next kids are. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like if I'm getting kind of the right idea is that um, in general, bands didn't really affect our choices for list building too much. Um, and like Brandon said, probably that has a lot to do with like thinking about bands before we even went into the tournament going, okay, so we're probably going to have to deal with this uh, a lot. Um, and we, you know, we didn't, and, you know, we just had to, to plan for it ahead of time. Um, so yeah. saying that, what, and I guess that answers my question. I was going to ask, do you think it's effective for top level play? Um I think it really was. I think everybody made smart decisions. I think that there was a lot of... Um, we had two players bring Witness for five rounds, um, which was a great flex play because like they're, they're really strong, but they're also really unknown. Um, and you've got two very good players piloting them. So um, there'll be a lot of conversations about Witness coming out of that. I know Cody, for the three rounds he was able to play, was playing Witness again. But Longton was going for uh, Iron Scorpius, which was you know the kind of the theme of the GT event that I mm -hmm. totally missed and just brought two masters for. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think Witness is a conversation that's going to be uh, brought up a lot in the next little while, um, and and to watch them just flex that really strong master and not worry about like bands or anything else um, seemed to be pretty. Good, Landon or Landon? Did Landon play Yuko two pretty much the whole tournament? Uh, for the for the for the Masters event? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I can look real quick. I have that thing open. Yeah, I want to okay. say yes. I made a chart of it at some point. Yeah. So you know, like there was a lot of people just like really repping the things that they were strong with, and I think that that's a that's a very smart move is to just bring like I bring. Uh, Brewy and Ulix because those are the two that I've been really, really working with. And mm -hmm. like in each, I tried Ophelia 2 twice and it just didn't work out. And, and I shouldn't have because I brought them into situations where I knew I was sort of at a deficit, but I was worried about because I brought it into Witness and I brought it into Dita 2 um, because I was worried about range. I was worried about guns because neither of those crews handle it very well. And mm -hmm. honestly, I think I should have just stuck with the two masters I had and tried to figure out a way around those specific weaknesses. Because one of the things I found out about Brew 2 this weekend that I thought was really cool is that ev most of the like little weaknesses I was worried about, severe terrain, hazardous terrain, all that stuff, ended up not actually mattering all that much when I figured out how to play around them. Um, mm -hmm. So sometimes I think like we get like stuck in our heads about like, Oh, how do we tech against this? Or, you know, this thing is a super weakness. So I need to bring another master to, to work it out. 
when really sometimes the answer is to just play into those bad matchups and figure out how to beat them with what you've got. You know, maybe it's only switching out, you know, uh, fermented river monk for bow fishbacher and mm-hmm. removing, you know, removing markers with um, melee punches. Um, but I do think that there is a little bit of um, working on like knowing what you're familiar with and knowing what you're strong with because certain play certain keywords attract certain players. You know, everybody everybody in Bayou will will say. Dita 2 is very strong, and I do think she is very strong. She just, my brain does not wrap around her play style very well. I've never really liked gun lines, um, so I did terribly with her. Um, not taking anything away from my opponents. They were both very, very good opponents, but, you know, I really screwed the pooch trying to play those two. Whereas, I was really familiar with Dulix. I was really familiar with Brewmaster. Um, Jim can tell you that when we first, we played that, Parker versus Ulix matchup several times now. And the first mm-hmm. game we played was an absolute blowout. Mm-hmm. And then the next couple of games, like I started to figure out how to play against Parker and the guns. And I did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Nathan, you've got your hand up. What's up? I do. Uh, you mentioned that like a lot of the players stuck with like one or two things that they were really strong with. I was, I think the only person who ran, um, different masters every round i mean i only meant four because again i had the buy but i don't think anyone else in masters switched masters that much so it was probably a mistake on my part and not a smart thing to do but i was still pretty proud of it yeah i think you should be proud of it um i will say though that i have to agree with mave's point here i i I, it's no secret that i have had trouble being consistent with a faction let alone a keyword for the last while I played three different masters into masters, <laughs> three masters in the masters event, and I played five masters over the course of the weekend, and it really hurt uh, seeing all of the obvious mistakes and misplays I was making because I wasn't familiar enough with all of those keywords. Yeah, it, like I was missing a lot of things on. Um, like at auras, triggers, uh, front of card abilities, um, you know, the stuff that you iron out after your first 20 games or so with a keyword. And I was making those changes because I was like, mm, I've been putting in a lot of reps with Zip and Parker, but I feel like I really need to go into Von Schill this round. And then proceeded to be like, oh yeah, how do I Von Schill? I don't remember. Um, I mean, and it's telling that folks tend to do better if and this is not just this event, but if you look at past events that have been held in the U.S. and in the U.K., it's usually, and stat nerds, uh, you know, at me if I'm wrong, but players tend to do better if they're mainlining, like, one or two keywords, right? Like, that's been the pretty consistent report. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true, unless Iron Scorpius shows up, in which case things shift around a little bit, and, um, you know... All of our top players, I think, except for Cody, went for Iron Scorpius. Um, I know Nick was third place, and he did not try for Iron Scorpius. He played Dita two, but he had a rough invitational, so I think he just wanted to jump back to some. To, to further our point, he wanted to jump back to something he knew and was really good with. So he played Dita two and only lost one game. Mm-hmm. I don't think Longkin or Cole uh, Iron Scorpius either, if I recall. 
no long long can brought witness every single round of the tournament except for one i think where he played uh hoffman that um, was the invitationals um uh, oh i think uh, both tournaments I think no and because he didn't take witness into uh landon because he made the agreement that landon wouldn't bring hoffman into him and he wouldn't bring witness into landon <laughs> uh yeah i think but i think for that game longton brought hoffman yeah, yeah. and landon took uh marshall yeah and then yeah uh yeah and it didn't it what yeah he did he did take hoffman yeah um yeah, he took, he took it a couple times. But yeah, so I took... I, I was planning to go full Scorpius. That was my plan the whole time. Um, I played four different Masters into in the first four rounds. And then in the fifth round, I knew that there was no possible chance of contention. And, and I knew that Bri- I was playing Brian. And then I knew that Brian plays a lot of Anstuck. And I had basically an option of Euripides or Dreamer uh, for the last round. And I was like, mm, nope, not, not looking forward to that matchup. So... I just decided to play Pandora again, um, but um, yeah, I was I was trying trying it, and then I think in the op- in the main event I basically played Pandora every round. Um, I played Euripides in one round against Dreamer, and um, uh, I was, I, was a, I played against uh, Scott, who uh, a great guy. I had a great game with him, but I did not. It is uh, I I was tripping all over my feet on Euripides too, and I just did not have the reps in um, with him to I think get really uh, efficient. It's just uh, my core decision fatigue. He's such a such an involved master. You really need to know when to use his his unique resource, which are the rune tokens, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's just a lot of math. Um, Speaking but, uh, of which, I got that model and just put it at Nova and just put it together. The Yuri two model is amazing. Yeah, so I'm definitely definitely still going to build that for sure when I get uh, and paint it when I get them. But I don't know. Um, I, I played it. I, I haven't got it yet, but I played him as one. I thought the Iron Scorpius event was really interesting because it really changes the dynamic of not only what people bring to each round. Like even if you're not in contention for Iron Scorpius, all of a sudden you're seeing different masters. You're seeing people save their stronger masters for later. Sometimes you're seeing matchups you wouldn't have seen otherwise, and it made for a really really interesting event. I think I I counted the different masters used, and it was a ton of different between titles and non-title versions, a ton of different masters used, and it really made for a good event. I think it's yeah. a great great format. Part of me kind of wishes it could be made into, like, this is an Iron Scorpius format, but that's kind of restrictive to players who do not own, like... Yeah, you know, well, there, there, is, there is that format. It exists in, in, in the Gaining Grounds document. Um, yeah. But, it, but it's, it's even more restrictive than that. Um, it is, I forget, I forget what it's called, but the, the format is that at no point in the tournament are you allowed to even hire a master or henchman that you have hired in a previous round. Yeah. Um, which is a very cool idea. Um, I love the idea of it. Um, and I think it would, it would make for some very interesting choices, but it's very, very unplayer friend, uh, un new player unfriendly because mm-hmm. if you don't, I mean, you have to go. You have to go to a tournament with literally a whole faction, or you're just not going to be able to play five rounds. Yeah, right. And in a in a in a format where you're at an event, which you've already paid for the convention, and then you have to pay for the tournament, and then you have to have all the models for the tournament, and maybe you have to travel with a brief, you know, a full faction worth of models, which can be obnoxious altogether. There, there could be a lot of like good players who are just like this isn't worth my time. Mm-hmm. 
So I looked it up. It's actually called alternating leaders, and it does specify that it's only the, during the same day of the event. So in a five round tournament, it could actually be you know the first three day, the first three tournament, three rounds are on one day. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's it. But but even though it's called alternating leaders, it specifies henchmen as well. So. Okay. Um, so I, I I wonder if if something like that in a five round event would make people actually do um, henchman led crews because that would be an interesting an interesting. Uh, event too i would love to play in an event where during like in a five round tournament one or two of the rounds have to be henchman led yeah that would be hmm. cool but i would i think i would i think i would maybe make it so everyone had to play a henchman that specific round oh of course of course of course yeah, yeah you couldn't you so couldn't like, just yeah round that would man as important as round four can be that would throw a huge kink if you went round four everybody's got to play a henchman master um because certain factions would struggle with that, and certain factions would be okay. Like, I mean, I can I can tell you, especially in Gaming Grounds Three, Neverborn would be fine with that. Yeah. Uh, because every Neverborn player would windmill slam Hinamatsu and then take Charm Warders and Bill Algren yeah. in Neverborn. And Outcast um, would be fine because the Barbaros crew is really, really strong, and with Return coming out, it's going to get even ooh, more options. Soon to be um, more ridiculous. In and, theory. In theory, but but no, but they didn't they didn't re keyword him right. He does still have Nephilim. He does. Yeah, 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 yeah. So oh man, Barbaros. Yeah, in Outcast, just hire two mature Nephilims. Let's go. Yes. No. Uh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, you, you can give, always do that. Yeah. You yeah. give those ne- uh, mature Nephilim soldier for hire, so they have hard to kill, and they give you cards and stones when they kill stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would. Okay I would love to. Love to do a theory craft, or maybe even you know what would be really cool, a theory craft, and then like online vassal tournament type deal where we do like specifically a henchman led event or something like that. That'd be very cool. There was a henchman led vassal tournament a couple months ago. Was there? There was. It was not. I was not participating because it was in addition to the normal uh, monthly event, and that was too much foe for me at that time. Yeah. Um, but there's probably stats somewhere that can be found. Yeah, do, do we... Okay, I might uh, see if I can find those. Where do they post stuff like that? Or, like, the, the, the like effectively the long shanks for it, but I assume they um, don't use... Sadly, because Vassal World Series has not really... Sh- or have mostly been using Bag of Tools, I don't know where to find that data after the event. I see. Um, I would say check the stats thread of the Discord for Vassal looking for group or looking for game, and ask there and see about it. Because it, mm. they usually archive the threads for the events after they've been completed, so that people don't keep posting in necro posts and stuff. Yeah, but and according- do they, does Bag of Tools not keep an up keep a database? Not an not one I've found or one that is easily searchable. It is one of the things I really value about Longshanks. Yeah. Um, so Brandon, wow. I have something else for you in that Barbaros list. That's even it's n- maybe not as effective as the double matures, but it's fun. Oh, Barbaros with his challenge. Yeah. Noxious Nephilim with his ability um, to put things on negatives that don't attack him. Yeah. And a Catalan Brawler. Oh boy! It is so stupid, unmovable. As long as you have a scheme marker nearby, you can just march those three kind of in between the um, guard the stash markers and go. All right, come on. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, that. 
<laughs> what, yeah, that's I can see that. Yeah, just drop one right next to a strat marker, and then, man, can you, will you be guarding that stash? Jeez. Yeah, 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 you would be very hard pressed to move off of that stash. Um, all right, so I think that's a I think that's a pretty good um, breakdown. Does anybody else? I guess the the last question is: Would you run bands as a local event? You've only got twelve to sixteen people. Um, would band, do you think bands will be an effective or interesting format for your local metas? So I, I can say that I have run bands. Oh, that guy, sorry. Oh yeah. Okay, so yeah, locally, if you were to if you were to bring your local players out um, and say, hey, we're going to try something new, would you run a bands format? So I, I can say that I already have. Um, we we've run bands a couple times, and we've run it both ways. Um, so I, I think that if you're going to run the bands format, you, you have a really important decision to make. And that's firstly, is it going to also be a singles event or not? Um, because having bands in singles sounds like a very neat idea. Um, and it sort of forces you basically to play in keyword plus versatiles. Um, but I think that ultimately what singles and bands does is makes the weaker keywords worse and the stronger keywords don't care because they're mm -hmm. already strong keywords. Um, and if you're going to play, if you're, you know, if you're looking to do a not singles event, I think that if you have a, in a very tournament friendly um, group of folks that are, are very in the know about what, what the band's format does, sort of have a, a, a decent working knowledge in and out of what the, what the masters are, I think bands can be a really good way to allow some players the flexibility to do double masters and tone down some of the egregious nonsense. But um, is it? But again, I think the band's format, you know, as a whole, just sort of adds to the um, the. It's great for seasoned players, and it, it lets them, you know, do some things. But for newer folks, it's another barrier. And so, I think going forward, we're going to just continue, at least in New England. And maybe I don't. I don't really speak for every New England TO because there's a lot of us. There's like six or seven of us running tournaments pretty regularly. Nice. Um, yeah, it's 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 awesome. Um, uh, I think that what we're going to most likely do is just continue to run singles events um, without without the bands format. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Nathan? You're, I'll you're almost certainly run at least area. at least one bands event. I think it's a, it's a good format well, as long as you're allowing multi master. I do agree that it has some problems in singles. Um, but I like it for multi-master. It's really the only way I'd run multi-master, I think. I don't think it's healthy just straight up, but if you run it with bands, I think it really does solve some of those problems and it makes the game pretty interesting. Um, but it certainly won't be my every round thing. I, I think I have found that when you try to run alternate formats, it seems like a good idea. But it tends to like scare people away a little bit because they're you know especially like the more the players that don't get out and play a lot because when they come out they really just want to play games the way they've been practicing games and, the, and you know just like the games they play on uh you know Wednesday evening or whenever your your local game day is so I have struggled to keep attendance up I think when trying to run in you know like different alternate formats I don't know what is what is your opinion Jim. I don't know that I'm really going to be investing in trying bands in my local local scene. Um, we've got some folks who like playing their double masters, and no one's really bringing anything that people feel is obnoxious or 
OMG, what is this? So, I mean, I think it's going to come down to talking to the local meta and seeing what they want to try. Maybe they do want to give it a try, but for at least for, for my, my my sense of, of my shop, we get there, we just kind of want to rock up, make a game, and play, and doing the band stuff is just kind of not really on our radar. That's fair. That's fair. And I think different metas obviously have different um, different focuses, right? You know, mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. are some people like some formats love wonky kind of crazy stuff, um, and other people are just kind of more like, what is the the most competitive thing I can play? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think at the at the end of the day, with the bands format, I, you know, they're definitely going to continue to be tournaments that. Our bands related, you know, uh, Matt in a, a particular, um, Matt, weird Matt, um, really likes the bands format. So I think that we'll, we'll see, we'll continue to see official events be the bands format. But <clears throat> I think that the best way that you can get prepared for those, if you don't have a local meta to play bands format tournaments in, is really just sort of get to know the game, right? Look at look at the keywords, sort of understand what some of the double master nonsense that can happen is. Listen to amazing podcasts like this one. Uh, shout out to the Bayou Breakdown. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of that one. It's pretty good. Look it up. <laughs> um, weird plug, I guess. But um, but uh, you know, um, you know, just sort of know what the options are because unlike almost every other possible aspect of Malifaux, I think that this is something that you can effectively practice without actually playing. Right? Like the entirety of the band's premise is over before the game actually starts. And once you sort of understand what tricks there are and what out of keyword hires are really important, or like in when we were talking about Jim and I's game, my, my thought process with, uh, with taking Flycore as my option because I didn't want to deal with the gravity well ability, you know, knowing what abilities get your crew and knowing the crew that you're playing inside and out, I think is the most important thing. Um, and, uh, you know, by accumulating that knowledge, I think you can be in a good spot, even if you don't regularly get the ability to play in a band's event. And as far as your local folks are concerned, you know, if you're a TO looking to run Malifaux events, um, you, you know, I'll reach out. There's a bunch of us that, that do this sort of thing on the reg, and, and talking to your locals is probably, you know, seeing what they want to do. That's probably the best way you can get engagement up and make sure that you're not throwing a bunch of crazy stuff at people who just want to play some good old-fashioned competitive Malifaux. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, too, is, like, um, make sure you, for TOs in general, make sure you have a very open sort of relationship with your um, with your meta and, you know, talk to them regularly about what kind of events they want to see. Make some polls, maybe, like, you know, if you're in a Facebook group or a Discord group or something, make some polls and see what people say. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of get an idea for what they want, because ultimately, you know, that's kind of that, that, that's kind of where the strength is. What do they want? Um, to play you'll have better events and you have more um i think you'll have more interaction with your events if you're sort of playing to the strength of your your particular meta all right guys so um are there any like little final thoughts that we want to have about nova about gg3 experience about bands experience before we call this a an episode just it was a great opportunity um, i'm grateful that we had the u.s photor folks put in the work to get us to have the full 10 games um weird was phenomenal with their prize support i think oh, yeah. everyone who showed up to either event was able to walk away with something in addition to the memories and the games and also 
it's not related to the tournaments, but Weird did have a really informative panel at the convention where they talked about their design process. And if you are at all interested in how the sausage gets made when it comes to this game or any game, uh, I encourage you, if you're going to an event or like a convention and you see that these kinds of panels are available, sign up for them. Uh, we had some really great insights some really good conversation and just it's nice to get to know oh hey the folks who make our game are humans too uh, they also enjoy this world and you know it, it helps keep things in perspective speaking of that i don't know if he's listening to this at all maybe he is maybe he isn't but i have to give a shout out to matt to having a huge amount of patience with me because like every time i walked by the malifo booth i would pick up a copy of the hats off point to Sommer and glare at him and put it back because I'm <laughs> so salty about, um, you know, just the, the state that Sommer's in at the moment. Um, and he had, he had, we had some good conversations, but he had a lot of patience with me um, bugging him about some specific things and just having, you know, little conversations here and there. So thank you, Matt, for your super patience. And uh, I guess we'll see if I'm in the next play test or not, if I pushed him too far. <laughs> uh yeah I, I mean I don't know if I don't know if this secret is is um, is kosher to tell everybody but I kind of want to like I don't know if you guys know how absurdly small and by you guys I guess in this I mean sort of just the listeners I don't know if you know how absurdly small weird as a company is like I think I personally have met almost every one of their staff members in person at an event like this and like all of the people who are responsible for making these games are literally at the weird booth. Whenever there's a weird booth at whatever convention, they're like all there. Matt, Kyle, and Chris um, are, are. I've never not seen one of them there. And like, you can talk to them. They're there, and you can tell them how hopefully how much you appreciate everything that they've done with so little. Like, there's so few people, and it's just it's such an amazing thing to see how hands on they are in every aspect of, of, of Malifaux from being at events and, and, you know, Matt and Chris, the, the, the two designers that, you know, worked on GG3 and did all of the stuff that we were playing the tournament for stopped by the event multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it was such a cool, such a cool thing to see them there and see how engaged and hands-on they are because there is no other war game that does anything like that. Yeah. And mm -hmm. asking people, asking players like legitimate questions, like, you know, what did you think? Like, I know Matt and Andre were talking and Andre was giving his list of grievances. Um, yep, but yep. like Matt was genuinely interested in Andre's input. Um, one thing I do need to point out, though, is that just because they are genuinely interested in your input does not mean that they have to implement your input. Very so, much so. Yeah. Yes. If you do have a conversation with these guys, understand that they are developers. They have a bigger picture. They have sort of a larger plan, and it is their game. So they yep. get to choose what they. Not that they don't value what you say. They absolutely. I know Matt for sure, and Kyle for sure. I don't know Chris as well because I only met him for the first time this weekend. But Matt and Kyle absolutely value everyone's opinions, mm -hmm. but they have a larger filter and a larger focus to uh, to go on. So, Nathan, you got any final thoughts? Um, just, I'm, all, I'm always amazed with how great all the Malfo players are, you know? Met a lot of really cool people. Um, incredibly pleasant event, incredibly pleasant group of folks. 
And I just say, yeah, everyone, get out to your local tournaments. A lot of, a lot of them coming up, and you got to hit them. Yeah, we got a brand new U.S. Photo Tour season. This one's finally like a, a full season. So um, I really hope I will see every single one of you at the Invitationals next year. Um, I know I'll be, I know I should be at Captain Con. Um, Nathan, I think you had said something about going to Captain Con this year. It's on my radar. And then Brandon, I know you guys are going. That's practically in your backyard. Yeah, I mean, we're, I, I think the whole the whole planet will be there. The whole Danger Planet. There we go. Um, there we go. Danger Galaxy. The, no, the soon the soon to be Danger Galaxy when we Danger when Cinematic we, Universe. When we um, when we supernova and collect start collecting planets one at a time. Um, <laughs> it, we're gonna be the Bab- the Babish Network. It's gonna be that. That's what oh my gosh. For. Oh my gosh. I you. That I have such a happy mental image right now. You have no idea. <laughs> you, have, uh, you have triggered uh, well, the nerd button. <laughs> we're, we're gonna do it. That's that's the goal. I do cook part time. That's the thing I really do. Um, I watch a lot of Babish. Great YouTube. Shout out to Babish. Shout uh, out to Babish. Yeah. Shout out to Babish and Sola. Um, um, but yeah, no. I mean, we, we definitely we're gonna be at Captain Con. Uh, if anybody's gonna be up in uh, in the Northeast uh, in October, we're gonna have. Uh, ArmorCon, um, which is another uh, smaller uh, scale thing, but I think there's a five-round Malifaux event that's going to be wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Are we doing the plug section? Is that what I we're doing? Gonna, I was getting ready to do that. So, Brandon, okay. you, you've started like I'm plugging things. I think yeah. you might have a fairly successful um, content creation platform. You want to give us the, the quick oh. about it? Yeah, no, I do. Uh, I am, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm one of the one of the guys uh, behind the Danger Planet. We're a whole planet full of danger, and uh, we do things like have crazy karaoke nights at events. Um, so yeah, no, t- check us out. We're doing a lot of cool stuff. We just finished our last two tier lists, which will be going up maybe even before this goes up. Um, uh, we're we're gonna start doing faction breakdowns. Uh, staying staying in line with the Haku Boys, uh, Landon and Longton. Shout out to them. Um, we have a lot of cool collabs in the works with a bunch of stuff, and we're going to start doing some role-playing content pretty soon, so that's pretty pretty nifty. Um, we're uh, we're going to do, you know, we have we have a lot of Malifaux stuff coming up, and uh, especially some, some really, really cool Malifaux stuff that I can't talk about right now. Um, mm. But, oh my god, am I so unbelievably excited. I have no words. Um and uh, that's all I can say at the moment. But and there you go. I am very excited for your. I'm very excited for your RPG stuff. Like Nathan and I are big RPG guys as well. Um, so we're really, really excited to see what you're kicking off there. Um, yeah. Not that I don't know something. Ooh, uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Jim, you have a podcast. You sometimes uh, grace with your presence as well. Do you not? Yeah. Um, y'all should be listening to the other coast. Uh, it gives, I think, one of the best. Um, it is one of the best listening experiences, especially when I'm not on on it <laughs> to, to mess up the flow. Uh, Jeff and Colgan do an incredibly good job. Uh, they just dropped an episode about rules lowering from the perspective of a lawyer because Jeff's a lawyer. So, like, I know we sometimes riff on the designers for some, you know, rules things here and there, but you know. <coughs> no, <they're- coughs> Hmm? Oh, excuse me. I was just coughing and not saying another. <laughs> yes, but um, yeah, it's it's from a place of love and it's delightful, and you all should subscribe to it. 
And Nathan, I don't think you are currently on anything, but I pull you into stuff literally all the time. So um... I do have a plug. All right, Nathan's got a plug. I'm Let's excited. Hear. We've created a Discord for the Capital City Conference folk. Um, help organize games, organize events, things like that. If you are in the Capital City Conference or in a near, if you live nearby the Capital City Conference, want to do some driving, uh, shoot me a message. I'll send you an invite link, and we'll get you in there. Um, the more people we have, the better organized we can get. So, love to get you all. I think I think I have reached Discord saturation at this point. I apologize for any Discords I'm in that I do not interact with anymore. It gets a little <laughs> overwhelming sometimes, and you just have to take a break. Um, but as for me, as always, um, Foxtail Games is my RPG uh, line. We're taking a break from streaming now while, while I also learn how to be more technologically savant because like, I have goofed up the first season. I learned a lot about how to do things, but I am, I am almost a Luddite when it comes to technology. Um, but we are going to be moving the second season, which will be a mass game run by Kyle from Schemes and Stones. So excited for that. It's going to be in podcast form, um, and we'll probably have the first episode of that running around in, like, December. Um, you can also find me on the Third Floor War streams. I've been in three or four of them. I'm sure I will be in more. I love playing in Craig's games. Um, if you if you enjoy RPGs, please go listen to um, Craig's interviews with uh, game designers and people just in the game industry in general and watch the streams. Craig is a great DM. We have so much fun. Um and really, I'm just I'm just everywhere. Like uh, I'll be on boring conversation. I'll be on schemes and stones. I'll bug Brandon until he lets me on the danger planet. Oh, you, <laughs> um, you gotta you gotta come on some danger planet. Though. Yeah, for sure. But, I'm, I'm but who knows? Maybe maybe soon there will be plans for such a thing. <laughs> I'm still a little offended that you guys made a Bayou tier list and I was not invited to be on it. What? Babe, we have so much. We're, when we do Bayou, Bayou factiony things, I, I promise you'll be the first person that we I mean, talk to. Landon and Longton don't even. I don't think they've picked up a Bayou model well, before. No, they haven't. We have. We have to. We, when we do anything Bayou, we have to get somebody else because both of them will, if they don't have enough antihistamine, will have an allergic reaction to having to talk about Bayou models. So, <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. All right, guys. Well, thank you once again for coming on. You've all been amazing guests. Uh, Brandon, welcome to the Bayou Breakdown family. Um, oh, I will be dragging Doug and Sam on at some point. Um, and I definitely plan on doing a, uh interview episode with you, so be ready for me to bug you about that. I can't guarantee what schedule it's in. I'm in grad school, so, yeah. you know. Well, I never long. sleep, babe, so. <laughs> you know, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 2 a.m., all of those a.m.s, they work fine for me. Nope. Perfectly perfect, because that's usually when I'm doing homework. Um, I only have one more year. One more year, and then I'm free. Um, but, so, yeah, definitely look for more interviews. Nova gave me some great contacts. Um, we're looking at talking with Doug Bowman, John Moser, Cole Thomas, um, some great, great guys that I met at Nova. And, of course, the legendary John Goldburn is going to be on, hopefully, here soon. So, um yeah, stick around for the interviews and let me know if this kind of content is interesting for you guys, uh, the listeners at least, and, and people that are on it, um, because 
if it's interesting, if it gets engagement, I will definitely love to do some of these roundtable talks because I think we've had a lot of fun. For sure. This has been a delight. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Everyone have a good night, and we'll see you down in the bayou.